0: Back again, back again, episode nine. Lost. In the days that followed, Rowena taught me to cook breakfast over the fires with odd grey eggs about the size of a chicken's. I blundered through the mazes of tents until I could find Nat again, and begged several pieces of paper from her. With Silas's kindness, with Silas's joviality and excitement to talk and teach and laugh, I began to find the courage to admit my ignorance, to pause papal mid-sentence and ask, I'm sorry, my Risaion is poor. What was that word? I asked Silas to fall down a rabbit hole of explanations for... One word led to another, led to another, led to another, when I didn't understand what she meant. I wrote down every new word I made someone spell out for me and asked Ria for English translations every night, making lists like the one we kept back at the palace although i'd always used english first around Rhea, whether for comfort or ease or familiarity i made a point of trying to last as long as i could and rise in rise with her a, a point of working around words i didn't know by trying to describe my way to an unfamiliar concept i was still far from competent but i improved i did i bothered not for scraps of fabric and iolo tracked down bits of dyed thread we spent free moments swapping the stitching between ourselves and the hours apart from Rhea to construct an eye patch from it. Yolo knew how to embroider flowers. She helped me learn, too. I tried to meet as many people as I could. I tried to learn names like Kalia did, like Rhea did. I got better at cooking and greeted new arrivals. I learned the position of tents in the camp so when newcomers went to Nat for what they were missing, I could help them find what they needed. I apologized to Hass. I'd written out a speech, not a speech, speech to give before a crowd, but something informal, a letter, a way to make sure I didn't forget my points mid-sentence and stare stuttering before her like a fool, and cornered her after her crew dispersed after lessons. I had not expected her to stay and listen, but she did. An apology is not enough for the loved one of a person you killed and took a trophy from. An apology is not enough when you still didn't know the name of the girl because you were still selfish despite your resolutions not to be and you wanted to cling to the little bit of trust you built here. You did not want to parade around the world killer Deskina any more than it already trailed behind you and so were too scared to ask after her name. An apology is not enough when you wouldn't have even been able to tell Hast if she'd asked exactly where you dumped her friend's weapon in the palace. You'd said it Somewhere in the prince's room, maybe he'd moved it back to yours in the weeks that had it followed. It wasn't something that you'd particularly wanted to commit to memory, because you'd tried not to think of anything you'd taken from raids as spoils of war, for that had made you squeamish and so incredibly aware of the fact that you'd killed people that had been actively trying to run, so you'd done your best to deem it unimportant altogether. <sighs> Hastwent... Very, very still when I finished. She said, That does not earn you forgiveness, and words cannot explain the away actions. I know, I said. And I'm sorry for that too. She walked away, and I didn't stop her. This was more than I deserved. This was not enough to pay my debts. It wasn't long after that that the flyers came in. Messengers arrived at camp. A brother and sister, maybe ten, maybe twelve, clutched a thin sheaf of papers they'd been told to put up around their village by a herald passing through. Their mother, once she'd seen the task her children had been given, sent the pair the half-day walk to us instead. They weren't just announcements. They were wanted posters. Posters. The Vatikina al has been kidnapped by the tyrants, the top one screamed. Information leading to her safe return will be well rewarded. Beneath it was a sketch of me. It hit me like a blow to the gut. <laughs> sketch, the memories surrounding it. I recognized the tilt of my head, the... Way the artist had drawn my face. The day after the prince and I were engaged we'd sat for portraits Portraits two. I can think of a hundred portraits I've seen in art history that were similar to the way we reposed in that first painting, though the rise style was always blurrier than anything you'd find in a museum here, lit different, slightly out of focus, but nevertheless Cassian sat, for to sit in a portrait in Risea, unlike here, is not a sign of weakness but strength that demonstrates that you do not have to force authority to be the most commanding figure in the room. He sat on his father's throne, perfect posture, elbows resting on the chair arms, chin raised and hundred-mile stair affixed in place. His crown that day was straight for possibly the first time in his life. I'd perched on the back edge of the left arm of the chair, sitting tall like my sword was taped to my back gaze, fixed to the viewer, my blue and gold dress draped in a way that the artist had fidgeted with for a solid fifteen minutes to get to sit right. Although this was the one that would have made the most sense to reproduce onto what was essentially a wanted poster, a straight-on picture of my face, it was not the image that stared back at me. No. I instead saw a sketch of the second portrait. The second portrait was never meant to be displayed as a sign of power, or displayed, really, at all. This one was meant to hang somewhere private personal study, a bedroom. In this second portrait, Cassian sat on a small couch, legs crossed beneath him, a book open on his lap. I, on the floor, leaned into the couch, leaned into him with my legs tucked to the side of me, arms folded and resting on his knees. I looked up and toward him, chin tilted towards his, two-thirds open to the viewer, one-third his. He leaned back towards me, openly staring inches from me. Neither of us were reading the book. Rosaians are very good at conveying love through art. I remember being infuriated with him that day. It it wasn't long after the Queen had made the announcement of our betrothal, and as if she'd known how reluctant we'd been in the wake of it to talk, we'd received independent summons to the receiving room that had been set up for the occasion. We both arrived before the painter, the artist chronically late and the both of us chronically early, and after Cassian had tried to strike up a conversation about the weather, and I'd valiantly pretended not to hear him, we'd both resolved to scuffle our feet around the floor until the room was unlocked and we were let inside. Ah, the two lovers, the artist had called gaily as they sailed inside, assistants trailing supplies behind them. What fun this will be! Cassian side-eyed me, face squishing in a way, nearly identical to Kermit the Frog when he knew he was in trouble. My mood, if it was even possible, soured more. And then we'd been posed, the painter moving limbs and prodding my back to move closer, closer, closer. Do not look so stiff, little soldier, you do love each other, do you not? Until they'd snapped, perfect, do not move, with my face far too close to Cassian's for comfort. It was excruciating at first, but the longer we sat, the more I stared at him, The harder it was to stay so totally upset as he tried to see how many faces he could get away with making before the artist caught on and snapped at him to stay still. You had to give it to the queen. She was a terrible, terrible person, but she knew so very well how to track human connection. You could see it even in this mass-produced sketch of that portrait, the thousand-thousandth rough reproduction done by a group of who were probably the artist's apprentices. You could see it. How close I'd been to a smile. I knew, without a doubt, it was Cassian who had picked the image. I knew without a doubt what he was trying to remind me of. There back at the camp, I think it showed on my face as I stared back down at the image of myself. I don't think I looked quite as bitter as I should have. or just sad. I'd been reminded once more that the way it had ended between Cassian and I should not have been the only eventuality. There could have been love. He could have been there with me. It was stupid to waste energy on futures this timeline had long since branched away from, but it hit me. For the thousandth time, for, for the first time, maybe more fiercely than the moment we'd split. I think he was saying, You're overdue home, Elias. I asked you to get Rhea to safety, and I asked you to come back. I thought of the way his eyes had grazed over Kalia and I as we'd left. I'd thought maybe, with his words, with the way it had almost been obvious that he'd seen us. that. Letting us go was a concession that everything was not as okay in the world as he had claimed it. And then I saw the rest of the flyers. Callia's face. Eolos, Wanted for insurrection. Rhea's. Wanted for high treason. Leander's wanted for impersonation of the true poet. This was not a concession. This was a declaration of war, and this was one last offer for me to choose his side. Calia was beside me, and I couldn't remember when she'd gotten there. She snatched the portrait of herself. I I don't quite know how to explain that I knew Cassian had been the one to describe her to the artist, but I knew what he caught first in faces, and I knew how they twisted in his mind when he disliked someone. That was Callia's portrait. She sneered as she studied it. I think I'm prettier than this, Yolo said on my other side. I hadn't heard her arrive either. She took her own poster and pulled a small dagger, engraved with stars from her belt. With a vicious sort of glee, she stabbed the dagger through the sheet of paper. Don't you agree, Elahiti, the, the kings didn't get my nose quite right? How had I missed both of them approach? Was I too caught up in my own head? Probably, almost certainly. Talia had changed from studying her poster to studying me. Mine. The difference between her portrait and Rhea's and Yolo's, center on eyes boring holes into the viewers, and mine. Soft. Focused on something not on the paper. The, The prince, of course, had been the object. When I'd seen the painting for the first time, the huge, elaborate painting to hang in an office or study or bedroom, I hadn't been able to do anything but blush. It wasn't long after Cassian had kissed me. I was, at the time in the moment, so ridiculously proud at how clear the love was in my eyes. I was impressed at how well the artist had been able to capture it. Callie seemed to understand that. What portrait Mayu was staring at. Why it had been chosen. What it meant. She stared, jaw jutted forward, and then tapped the top of her poster. Wanted. She said. Carefully and then tapped the top of mine. Yours says lost. Do you see this, Elhidida? To them you are a pet that has gone missing. If you are caught, you will be put back on a leash. If we are caught, we will be dead. I crumpled my own poster in my fist and stared her in the eyes. Let me do more, then, I insisted. If I have less to lose, let me do something dangerous. This, it seemed, was the right thing to say. Callia cocked her head to the side, just slightly, as if reevaluating me. The vaguest hints of approval flickered in her eyes. That was when another messenger stumbled, red faced, into the camp. She did not carry any flyers, but the look in her eyes was wild. The kings, she gasped. They're claiming they found the false poet, Leander. My stomach dropped. Callia turned to me. There's your danger. Time to make good on your promise. Back Again, Back Again is written and produced by me, Abigail Eliza. If you're enjoying the show, please consider leaving a review on your podcast platform of choice or supporting Back Again, Back Again on Patreon at patreon.com slash backagainpodcast, where you'll gain access to bloopers, annotated transcripts, episode sneak peeks, and more. If you'd like to hear more about the show, visit us on Twitter, Instagram, or Tumblr at Back Again Podcast or on TikTok at Abigail Eliza Writes. Our outro music is Nightingales by Pierce Murphy from the album To Japan and is licensed under an attribution license. The song was retrieved from freemusicarchive.org. Visit the description of this episode for full copyright information and a link to the page. Sound effect attribution, similarly, can be found in the episode description. If you've made it this far, thanks for sticking around. Please remember that this world always tries to make you feel more alone than you truly are. There are people out there who will love you without condition or expectation and you will find them. The light-soaked days are coming. I promise. You are so, so very loved. I hope you have a wonderful day. Wow! Back again, back again. Is written and produced by me? Pause people mid-sentence and ask. I'm sorry. My reason is poi. poi.